Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. So anytime you catch yourself saying, I need to, I have to, I should, it's not like it's the word, but it would be a good idea to pay attention to what's going on there because you may be setting yourself up for failure. And that's the moment to really check in, dig in, feel into, do I really want to do this? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Today, I want to bring your attention to a kind of paradigm that causes everyone suffering almost every day. It's the what is versus what I think it should be paradigm. Everybody shoulds. We're all naturally inclined to think things ought to happen a certain way because, well, that's the way we think it ought to be. But when we impose these illusions about reality onto ourselves, we're just choosing to suffer. Realize the suffering caused by your self-created illusions is a practice, which means you have to practice them every day. And today is as good a day as any to practice something else, dismantling them rather than rehearsing them again and again. And hey, listen up. We've got a brand new live course starting April 11th, and it's a good one, so I don't want you to miss out. It's called Clear Thinking, Becoming More Effective, Fulfilled, and Happy at Work and in Life. One of the things that distinguishes humans from other animals is our ability to think, reason, and imagine abstract concepts. The problem is, most of us are never taught how to go about doing any of those things. I'm talking about rigorous, productive, critical thinking that actually changes you. It makes you better. Every day it gets harder to navigate and be successful in our complex world. So how do you cope? Do you accept less than for your life? Do you simply go through the motions, putting on a smile and pretending to be fulfilled and engaged when in reality you're suffering? I know what that's like. One of the ways to evolve that's not widely appreciated is to learn to recognize when your mind is tricking you and think your way to a truer fulfillment. Thinking in a clear way gives you greater control over your life. It helps you overcome adversity and frees you to achieve your goals. In the new 11-week course, I'll be teaching you how to use the power of clear thinking to create radical change in your life. I'll give you practical skills that anyone can learn, practice, and apply. If you're willing to do the work, you can literally start improving your life right away. Imagine a life where you're no longer at the mercy of frustration, ineffectiveness, failed relationships, or financial loss that can result from a lack of careful thought. If that's something you desire, then this is the course for you. For more information, please visit clearandopen.com slash clearthinking. That's clearandopen.com slash clearthinking. Thanks for listening. Let's start the show. The fastest way to get someone to resist is to tell them what to do, what to think, etc. And we know this. And in management, right, we're very careful to not do it and self-interest and why don't you and you know all that. But then... When we manage ourselves, when we talk to ourselves, usually the whole thing goes out the window. We forget everything we know about interacting with other people and we operate moment to moment. Oh, I should do this. 
like as if the outcome would be different. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, but it's it's just me. Well, if there was just one you, your life would probably look really differently. But actually, you know, as Walt Whitman said, uh, do I contradict my, do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. I contain multitudes. And it's just from Leaves of Grass, which he was so obsessed with. He wrote, he rewrote like 37 times, over 30 times. And I read a few of the versions of it in college. I'm, I don't know why. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So the, the light side of containing multitudes as human beings are incredibly adaptable, right? We can see different points of view. Like a squirrel sees an acorn is like, good, that's acorn's good. I want that. They can't look at the acorn and be like, well, that's just a seed. It has nothing to do with me. Or I don't feel like eating acorns, acorns anymore. You know, they, they don't do that. We're very flexible. One day we can love acorns. Other days we hate it. Oh, they're clogging the gutters. Oh, they're so pretty. Look how the squirrels... You know, we can have a million different points of view on, on acorns and anything else. But the shadow side of that is if we're not careful, we start operating in contradiction. I should like acorns. I shouldn't like acorns. I should collect them. You know, some people do that. There's documented cases of mentally challenged people storing acorns in their attics. Thousands. It's true. Perhaps they thought they were a squirrel. So anytime you catch yourself saying, I need to, I have to, I should, it's not like it's the word, but it would be a good idea to pay attention to what's going on there because you may be setting yourself up for failure. And that's the moment to really check in, dig in, feel into, do I really want to do this? Because if when you tell yourself you need to, you have to, you should, you ought to, there's probably another part of you that doesn't want it. And now you've, you've set up a friction yeah. that's going to slow you down. This is a daily practice for me in guitar. It was eight thirty last night, and I really wanted to go to bed early because I, I get up at five five thirty usually, and I really needed a nine hour night because I had a bunch of not nine hours. Nine hours is good for me. If I get only eight after a while, I start to get tired. So I was like, All right, I really need nine hours. I don't have time to play guitar, but I really should play guitar. Oh, I should. I should squeeze in fifteen minutes, and then I was like, Okay, let's feel that. I should squeeze in 15 minutes. So now there's a polarity between sleeping and practicing. How does that feel? Well, it feels like tension. It feels like I can't win here because if I, if I practice for 15 minutes, then I lose the sleep. If I do that, or if I go to sleep, then I, don't, I fail to do the thing I'm, I should do. See, that's a lose-lose. And so it's like, you're screwed. You will not win. And, you know, look at how many people look at deal-making as zero-sum games where there's a winner and a loser. Our entire economy is really based on a win-lose kind of mentality. So we're comfortable with that. That's just normal. You know? It's said often when people make deals... Both people should feel like they lost something. That's even worse than the win-lose, right? Well, that's compromise. You know, you're both, you're not going to get what you want. Okay, well, sometimes that happens, but why frame it that way? 
So how would you frame the d- dilemma that you found yourself in last night that would not be a polarity or a, or a win-lose or a lose-lose? That's the right question. Okay, so I have, it's 8 o'clock. I commit to practicing guitar at least 15 minutes every day. It's 8.30 or whatever. What do I want? Why do I practice guitar? What's the point of that? What can I, what's the difference between those 15 minutes doing it today and not doing it today? What's it going to be like tomorrow if I don't practice today? What am I committed to? What do I want to one day do and be with that instrument? And you ask yourself these questions, basically why questions, that get to what do you want Mm -hmm. until you make an and or not. You might not, but until you can find an and. Okay, I want to play guitar, practice for 15 minutes. Because I'm going to feel really good about myself after I do that. And okay, it's 15 minutes less sleep. I can live with that. So it no longer is a chore. You sort of have to dig yourself out of the victim-y, I have to, I should. And even bigger than that, it's just not true. It's not not true that you have to. Oh, right, right. So a moment ago, if I may jump in here then... uh Uh, when you said to me, you need to, and I, I reflexively answered, I want to, because I knew that was the answer that I was supposed to yes, give. Yes, right. And in other words, you, you knew what you ought to say rather than need to. So you just added another should. Yeah. You see, that's constructive, not deconstructive. You see? And that's what most people will do with teachings like this. And it makes me crazy. I have some, some of my closest friends here are still stuck in this older paradigm where they say, well, your words are like spells. And if you say you have to, well, it will just like cause you to go into this victim mentality. No, the victim mentality is there already. And the words are just an expression of it. So a more productive reaction to your question to me would have been, Hmm. A pause. Yes. And then a thinking about, okay, what's, what, what's this an opportunity to learn? Yeah. To actually make a shift and be like, oh yeah, I did say I need to. Where did that come from? What part of me thinks I need to and why? Right. Because it's, it's, it's about being really rigorous with yourself. Because it's like another way of saying it's not true is you are in a complete and total delusion. <laughs> you know, be rigorous about it. It's an altered state of consciousness. It's like pointing to the sky and saying it's orange. In one way, it's no different. It's like pointing to a bird and calling it a lizard. Well, that's there's some truth to that because <laughs> of evolution. <laughs> pointing to a, a hot dog and calling it a Aardvark. That's how true it is. What I could have done instead, too, even before I said the things that I said, is have think about what what that part in me that let's say is disappointed or sad that I didn't do X as far as getting to a certain level in management. What is that part and where does it come from? And I have a sense of where it comes from. Well, that part. I would say is the in the equation of all this, that part is after the equal sign. 
So it's like feeling of what I should do, indulgence of the distorted reality of what I should do, plus the resistance, the reasonable resistance against any should, because it's untrue, equals disappointment that I don't choose a side and become a whole person. Let me say it another way. So I'll have to sum up a new equation. Self-imposed, self-imposition, I should, I need to, I have to, plus natural resistance to self-imposition equals suffering. Hmm. There. Slim the terms down there. Okay. That's it. Reframe self-imposition plus meta-realization of delusion equals liberation. Okay. How do you do that? You don't believe the thought. I have to, I need to, I should is this hot dog is an aardvark. That's how true it is. Mm -hmm. It's not true. But it's not enough just to know that. You've got to really experience it. And it seems to be almost a corollary of or an offshoot of uh, the victim mentality, which is also a, a an untruth. Yes. Yeah. A, a, a delusion. Yep. Yeah. And so it's just a practice. If, if you only catch it once a day, that's great. Yeah. Because every time you do happen to notice it, in your inner dialogue, it's happening probably 10 times more than that in ways that you don't even hear. Sure. Yeah. And you don't really have to do anything to change it. You just let the truth speak for itself. Oh, I need, I said I need to. Let me see if I can like really experience that that's true. In what way do I need to do that? You just sit with it. And the truth just reveals itself. You don't have to change your mind per se. You know, you just look at the hot dog more closely and it will you will realize that it is not an aardvark. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, take cut the hot dog in half or put it under a microscope. Just look. Just be with it for a second. But we tell ourselves things so quickly. Oh, this is that. I'm this. They're that. Just slow down. Is that really true? Is that absolutely true? So the emotion that I was feeling, I could have responded in saying that, well, if this is really important to me, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if it really is important to me, I will find other ways to express it. Yeah. And embody it later in my life. And it might very well be that the more productive or way to practice it and embody and express it is in my own self-organization. Sure. Holding myself accountable. Sure. Managing yourself. Yeah. There's no escape from management. Even if you're the last person on the planet, you're still going to be managing yourself. Yeah. And stuff. Cool. So notice how the, the disappointment requires a should as well, right? <laughs> You can't yeah. be disappointed unless you think you should have, and unless you think things should have gone a certain way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like Byron Katie says about stuff, like, how do you know X should be? 
Because it is. How do you know Donald Trump should be president? Because he is. And there are millions of people suffering every day, starting from a frame of he shouldn't be president. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they, it's not okay to have a preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when the preference turns into a should, that's what a should and need to a have to is. It's when a preference is unbridled. When a preference moves from uh, a thought and opinion into an imposition onto reality. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and it's raining and you go, oh man, I wish it weren't raining. Okay. It shouldn't be raining. What does that do? Does it stop the rain? <laughs> what? No, it doesn't. What does it actually do? It causes you to suffer. Yeah. And that's the difference between a preference and uh, a should or an imposition on reality. And it's a subtle difference in one way. But when you start getting the hang of it, you'll start to see um, the control in us is constantly creating suffering by overlaying like a heads-up display. It's seeing reality through the lens, like augmented reality. It's seeing reality through the lens of how it thinks things should be. And that's one of the most succinct ways of saying how you create suffering. So the idea is to start to see that so you can look sideways at it and go, oh, look at my heads-up display. It decided it shouldn't be raining today. And while I took a shower for 10 minutes, I thought about all the things I'm not going to be able to do because it's raining, all the delays that are going to happen, all of how I'm going to have to change my plans and how the wedding is going to have to be indoors or whatever it is, all of that stuff. And it's in that same uh, polarity, right? This, what is, as opposed to what I think should be, if that happens for anything longer than a moment, you're just basically torturing yourself. And that's why meditation is such a great practice to ameliorate this dynamic because meditation in, in one way can be just summarized as practicing allowing things to be exactly as they are. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily, you can impose your will on it. But you're at choice about that mm-hmm. so that your default mode is this is what is. You know, when the waiter brings you the wrong thing, you go, oh, look, it's an aardvark instead of a hot dog. (laughs) Amazing. I didn't know they served aardvark here. And that's your first reaction rather than, damn it, I didn't order an aardvark. I hate this place. I'm never coming back again. Nobody listens to me. This is the worst, you know, all of that. But if the default mode is a sense of wonder of like, okay, so this is happening now. I see. So Donald Trump is president now. Wow. How interesting. I wonder why. What, what, what can we do now? But that's the case, right? But most of the activism, activism, political activism of basically all kinds, um, comes from, well, no, it, not necessarily, but the way most people interpret it or embody it, it comes from a, a, a resistance place, a no place rather than a yes place. And the, the best activists, usually the leaders thereof, don't speak against things so much as they speak for things. Mm-hmm. Right? Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. The I Have a Dream, he's speaking for something. This is what I want. This is what I think we all want. Wouldn't you all like to have this? And the speech, speeches like that have been analyzed many times. And the best speeches of those kinds 
speak to, they go future, present, future, present, future, present, kind of back and forth. Mm -hmm. One of JFK's speeches does that too. And it's a really powerful way. That's visioning. It's like, here's what's true now. Here's what could be. Here's what's true now. Here's what could be. But rarely will it really negativize the present. Instead, the focus is on, let's be for this, let's be for this. There's a reason for that. Because negativizing what is doesn't work. Takes practice. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.